0: And truly, I think that when you have good health, you feel that symphony, that song, that hum, right? That mmm that's just moving right through you and lifting you. So you feel in harmony with all of nature. And I just felt that Ayurveda seemed to explain it in a way that seemed to explain the all and is applicable in every moment to
1: everything. Hello and welcome to It's A Journey podcast. How are you healing today? Your host, Stephanie Naidu, welcomes guests from different parts of the globe with professional expertise in health and holistic wellness. Holistic means physical, emotional, social, and spiritual well-being. So what do all of our guests have in common? It's their dedication to help us with our healing journey and personal development. Let's dive into this new episode with our special guest, and explore the answers in order to continue our personal journey's exploration towards healing and self-love.
2: Author of the best-selling book, Ayurveda Cooking for Beginners, director of VedaWise and creator of numerous courses and series on Ayurveda, Laura promotes sacred sumptuous living through the Vedic sciences of Ayurveda, Jyotish, Mantra and Devi Sadhana. She has studied with some of the great masters of our time, practicing and sharing what she has learned from the Heart Center Wisdom Schools of the World. Her blog, food-lovestory.com, is an inspirational resource for Ayurvedic nourishment and delight. In this 10th episode, I will be talking to Laura about Ayurvedic cooking. Our topic today is Embrace the ease of Ayurvedic cooking. Hi, Laura. It's such a pleasure to have you um, today for my podcast, It's a Journey. Welcome, and thank you so much for being here.
0: Thank you, Stephanie. It's wonderful to be with you. I'm looking forward to this.
2: So um, I'd like to start um, our conversation by um, talking about you and your journey and how you became the uh, founder of uh, Veda Wise and an Ayurvedic bestseller author.
0: Oh, gosh. Um where do we begin you know in the book that i wrote the ayurveda cooking for beginners in the introduction i write about having grown up on the shores of lake michigan where i used to love to i don't know how to put it it's more than playing in the waters i used to float in the waters and look at the sky and had such a deep almost spiritual connection with nature and with water itself And then I used to love to lie in the grass at night and look up at the sky. And I feel as I think about this, that my father was with us, felt very safe and grounded and to look at the skies and to wonder at the stars and almost see them twinkling back at you, you know, as if they're sort of seeing you back. And I just was always interested in nature and our relationship with nature. And nature always felt like a mother to me. And so even from my early years 14 15 16 I began to learn meditation but I was also studying nutrition and herbal medicine and just out of a curiosity to learn more about I guess our ancient ways of living in harmony with nature Mm. so it goes way back I mean more formally I, I was studying yoga and Ayurveda for 25 years now and because I've been a vegetarian for all of my adult life since I was about 17 18 the yoga students used to ask, well, can you help us with some ideas of what to eat to try to eat in a more yoga way, a more ahimsa way, a more balancing way? And so I eventually started a blog about 11 years ago, and it's called food lovestory.com. And it's just to give people ideas for how to eat according to the season, according to maybe their dosha. If they know it, we can talk about what a dosha is, but also just to eat in balance and to eat according to the rhythms of nature. And, you know, people seem to like it. When I first started that blog, it was really just a resource to help students. And then recently, or not so recently now, a few years back, a publisher saw the blog and asked me to write um, this book, Ayurveda Cooking for Beginners. Um, So that's how the book happened. And in terms of Veda-wise, well, it's just a name that's uh, sort of an umbrella for the different teachings and and counseling that I do in Ayurveda. Mantra meditation and Jyotish, which is a form of Vedic astrology. So, yeah, so that's sort of the very brief of how it's come to be. Mm, Wonderful. And um,
2: today we will be talking about your book, which I have right here. (laughs) (laughs) So, I will. will, Show this book like along along the uh the interview today i will go back to um to to your book wonderful book um mm-hmm. so how did you get to um ayurvedic cooking and what did you discover in there that made you like adopt it as a
0: lifestyle well like i said i've been studying health and healthy health traditions and ancient wisdom for much of my life just as a curiosity and then eventually as a formality um but as i studied herbs and herbal medicine chinese herbs acupuncture so many different traditions when i met or got introduced to ayurveda i just felt like i found a system that was very comprehensive that seemed to be the whole of it so suddenly all of these different systems made sense according to the ayurvedic principles and so suddenly i could take a you know a western meal a, a meal from mexico a meal from france different food traditions from around the world different ways of being from around the world and understand it through the lens of ayurveda mm-hmm. so ayurveda is a very very simple I mean, it's a very complex science but it's based on simple principles that there are five elements in nature and that when And all of these elements have not just substance to them, but they actually have energies to them. And when we understand those elements and how to keep them in harmony, then we have wellness, we have balance. And when we don't have balance, we just have to bring one of them into balance. It's not so much balance like a seesaw, by the way. It's more like harmony, like Mm. a song, where we have all the different voices or all the different instruments coming in just the right way just the right volume, just the right note, just the right tune, right? So that we have ultimately a symphony. And truly, I think that when you have good health, you feel that symphony, that mm. song, that hum, right? That mm, that's just moving right through you and lifting you. So you feel in harmony with all of nature. And I just felt that Ayurveda seemed to explain it in a way that seemed to explain the all and is apical in every moment to everything.
2: Mm. Uh, that's wonderful i love what you say about like um, the harmony um, yeah. it's yeah it's it's so beautiful and um I, I have to say you know like um ayurveda is coming you know like uh, from india and uh, so um i've been i mean talking to you it's nice because in your in your book you also integrate a lot of different uh, cuisine in there yeah. which kind mm-hmm. of like makes it very you know welcoming um in 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 your book, you said, and I'm going to quote you. You say, um, "Our world and all of us in it needs Ayurveda now more than ever." Why do you think so? Why now more now more than ever?
0: <laughs> yeah, it's very it's a very declarative statement, but there's a few reasons that I that I said that I say that, and I still believe it. And one is that, um, you know, we need to live in according in accordance with nature. We need to live in harmony with nature. We need it for our own health, our own physical and mental, emotional and spiritual wellness. But we also need it for the wellness of our communities, our neighborhoods, our societies, our countries, our relationships with countries. And nature needs it too. We cannot keep exploiting nature. We cannot keep extracting from nature. We cannot live in extractive ways. We have to live in a way that is as nourishing to nature and to the world as nature is to us. Nature nourishes. Nature strengthens us. Nature is here to support us. And we need to understand that we need to live in mutuality with nature. Otherwise, we deplete. You know, Ayurveda teaches us that there's something called brimana and langana, and that's there's either nourishment or there's depletion. Mm -hmm. Is food nourishing you or is it depleting you? Is that person in your life nourishing or depleting you? Always when I'm working with my students, I say, what nourishes you? Go in that direction and go away from what's depleting you. We don't have to like something or dislike it. We can just see that it's either nourishing or it's not. And so, you know, nature is seeking to nourish us at all times. And and when we have a relationship, as ancient people did, that is a mutually nourishing relationship, earth is strong, earth is abundant, and that feeds and nourishes us. But we've really moved away from that. We've moved away not only from these natural rhythms, We've moved away from the intelligence of nature and we think we know everything. And what that's doing is that's creating problems where we have super bugs, super viruses, right? And even super wars, which is what's going on right now as we speak. We're just too too detached from our natural state, which is loving, which is nourishing, which is uniting. So I feel we need it now more than ever because I feel like now more than ever, right? If they needed it then, when they were already living in harmony with nature, Mm -hmm. How much more do we need it now when we're a lot more removed from nature? I mean, sometimes I'll say to people, even students, well, you know, nature is made up of these five elements. These five elements create these three doshas, these three bioenergies. And it's as if we're talking about flowers or we're talking about, you know, a field or we're talking about an herb that you're going to take. But no, we're talking about you (laughs) because you are nature. And I think we forget that, right? That we too are a part of nature and nature is as i said it's mighty it's majestic it's intelligent it's radiant it's beautiful and it's bountiful and it is here to support us so the more that we can find a way i don't know how because i don't i'm not saying that we should let go of our computers otherwise we'd never be com, you know communicating right so how do we work we just need really smart people and all of us with the intention to think about how can we go forward in life where we have all of the benefits of all of you know humanity's creation and at the same time, we don't keep nature separate. We keep including nature, and we keep working with nature, cultivating this mutual, mutually nourishing relationship. Mm. Does that
2: make sense? Yeah, 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 absolutely. And you know, you are talking about like the you know the way we we live uh, now, and and um, and Ayurveda being like certain such, such like an ancient uh, science. How did you how were you able to adapt this um you know science from from India to our modern world? Especially because like this is for beginner, so this is for people who just get started. So how were you able to combine both to um and then to you know without like losing anything of like the um, Ayurveda?
0: Yeah. Well, thanks for asking that question because that I felt was very much my mission. Mm-hmm. So Ayurveda okay. will Ayurveda, will talk about, you know, because Ayurveda grows up out of India. Yes. Much of the Ayurvedic recipes then are from India. And so a lot of the really great Ayurvedic, you could say medicinal foods, Mm -hmm. are foods that you can find in India abundantly, but we don't find them here where I live. So what would happen is that somebody would be maybe seen an Ayurvedic doctor or practitioner and they're handed you know, this list and they're told, okay, you know, go eat these things. <laughs> and the person doesn't even know what the things are. Exactly. <laughs> well, let alone where to find them or what to do with them and how to eat them or how to cook them. So I, I just thought that if we could take the principles of Ayurveda
1: mm-hmm.
0: and apply them to what is locally available and what is not just accessible, but what is delightful to our own palate, right? Then we could have the Ayurvedic uh, benefits, And also many people said to me, well, I like Indian food, but I don't like to have to spend my day grinding and preparing spices and all of it. It just takes too much time, right? You know, Indian cuisine is so beautiful, but it comes out of an era where there were more people available to spend hours and hours in the kitchen. And so many people nowadays don't have that kind of time. So I also wanted to adapt it for, you know, the modern lifestyle. But I'll tell you what, I grew up, I often say I grew up outside of Chicago, And that gives you one impression of where I grew up. But the truth of how I feel is I feel like like I grew up on the Great Plains. I grew up in a place where the Native American people lived for many, many, many centuries. And they were people who lived according to nature also. right? And I was really enchanted by the stories that I would hear of these people from the land where I had grown. And then I went, as you know, I told you earlier, I went to live in Italy for many years. I lived in France for many years. And I also saw, and I lived a little bit in um, Germany, I saw that these cultures also had their ancient traditions. And then when I learned Ayurveda, my love of the European traditions and cuisine made a lot more sense. I could see that people who lived like a culture that was an ancient, a long time culture, an older culture, traditional culture, there was a time when they lived very close to the lands, and they lived according to the season, and they lived according to what their climate and their soil would grow, right? You talk about the terroir, you talk about la terra, you talk about the soil, you talk about the earth, and then what kind of climate did we have? What kind of weather did we have this season? So you'll see in, in European foods, in certainly in, A, A, excuse me, in Asian food traditions, even in Mexico and, and Central American food traditions, you see this history of a food culture that grew up out of that harmony with nature. And so often, what you see as a continuum is, for instance, rice and beans. You know, whether you're talking about the Aztec people, right, or the people of China, you're talking about rice and beans across the world for an inexpensive, earth based, right? source of protein and nutrients. And you add some vegetable to that and you've got all your macro and micronutrients. And that's what is the source of Ayurveda. The staple of Ayurveda is rice and beans with some vegetable. And we call that kichari, right And it's just mung bean and some basmati rice. So if you if you just dissect it, you take it apart and you look at what's at the core of these different food traditions, you still find that ancient wisdom. I find that very much in France. I have a friend of mine, who is sort of half French, half Canadian. She said, I said, oh, I want to do an Ayurveda trip to France. And she said, why? There's no Ayurveda in France. I said, I think there is. I feel that France has a, a lot of sattva to it. Sattva is a word that means peace, clarity, and light, and balance. The people of France have a sense of balance. There's such the symmetry in the in city like Paris that gives it its beauty. You know, I heard once that like 60% of the people of France lived on a farm or on the land until World War Two, mm-hmm. and it's still a high number up until the '60s. So you still have, even though we think of France, we think of Paris, we think of that culture and the arts. You still have people who were still close to the land until very, very recently.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And so you can see that in a French a French meal or in an Italian meal, um, you know, the truth in a way, right? The truth of that living close to nature but also that nature is there to nourish you and by the way I was in in Austria about two and a half years ago and we went to see this part of Austria on the Danube river where they found some of the oldest statues of like the divine mother right mm-hmm. the feminine and it's like the oldest that that's been found in Europe and it goes back thousands of years and you realize that there is an unbroken tradition of people living in these hilly lands fertilized by these gorgeous rivers for thousands of years so they too have their ancient wisdom it's there it's just that ayurveda has really spelled it out for us in a very exacting way yet we can find it in all ancient traditions everywhere mm. Mm. thank you so much for for, the,
2: for this and and um you know i think the, um, maybe it's the fact uh, that you traveled and you're so connected with nat- nature and different culture. Um, it, it, it shows in, in your book and they are like um, really um, lovely uh, recipes. And for example, um, so I, you know, I live uh, in Singapore, I'm close to, so I'm in Asia, close to a lot of uh, countries, Asian countries here. And there's this uh, Thai noodles salad, which yeah. looks like, oh my God, so gorgeous um so um so many things very easy there is also um uh, golden milk which is very uh, uh like traditional um indian there is the um rose um lassi um mm-hmm. so many so many things that you know like you integrate i'm gonna say like different culture you you have the tradition but with a little twist so it's um it's lovely there is like the cauliflower um, tacos also um so um it's i, I think it's um such like a, a nice way to invite people um to really um get starting with um ayurveda
0: cooking are you <laughs> Yes. Thank you. Yeah. I just wanted to make it accessible. So really breaking it down to its fundamentals. And then people can add and embellish from there. Sure. But also to show that, again, all of these different traditions. Like one thing I say to people is that when you're trying to do, let's say, an Ayurvedic cleanse, well, if you have to go out to eat, let's say you have a business lunch or you have to do something, well, try to choose an Asian restaurant because you can have miso soup at a Japanese restaurant, you know, or you can have rice and something mong at a chinese restaurant right you can have thai rice noodles so there's the asian culture is is got a lot of healthy food Mm. choices of course every culture has unhealthy choices as well
2: (laughs) absolutely absolutely and and so um this is going to um this lead me to the question like how do i get started like now you know i i have uh, your your cookbook and i'm ready um ready to um um, to dive into uh, this um, this um, Ayurvedic cooking, how how should how should I um, should I you know go where Where did I start?
0: How should I start? Yeah, well, one of the things that we say in Ayurveda is that the very best thing that you could do is harmonize with the rhythms of nature, as we've talked a lot about. So we actually, I'm in San Diego now, and here in San Diego are two scientists who, I think it was 2017, they won the Nobel Prize for Science for having discovered the molecule responsible for chronobiology and this is something that ayurveda has said from the beginning that we need to move in alignment with nature right so the sun right the earth turns on its axis causing night and day and we then travel around the sun causing the seasons and our biology is wired to pay to to work with that light let's say Mm -hmm. right so when so we want to wake up with the sun we want to kind of go down as the sun goes down that's important we want to try to have breakfast at the same time every day lunch at the same time every day dinner at the same time every day so if you could do that one thing that is a world of difference Mm, and just to regulate your life and your schedule now a lot of people say no i don't want to be stuck like that but the truth is it's very very healing to just get very regulated in that sense, and then. The second thing is, as Europeans know, to have your biggest meal of the day at lunchtime. Because that's when the digestive fire is strongest. We say our digestive fire is like the fire in the sky around which we're traveling, right? The sun. And so the sun is strongest midday, so is our digestive fire. Mm -hmm. So try to have your biggest meal when your digestive fire is strongest. And then when the digestive fire is not as strong, morning and evening, then try to have your meal warm or hot, cooked and try to add a little spice to it. So an idea there is porridge. You could have a rice porridge or oat porridge, oatmeal or something. So that's cooked. And then you would add a little spice, cinnamon, ginger, cardamom, whatever you love. Dinner could be a soup, again, something light cooked. And you can add, again, ginger, black pepper, whatever your favorite spice is. And then the final thing. So regulate. Mm -hmm. Think about agni you know, in terms of your timing and what you're having. And then the third thing would be try to eat your last meal of the day three hours before you go to bed. Okay. Because you want to give your body time to digest your food
2: mm-hmm.
0: before you go to sleep. Because when you sleep, your, sp- your body is meaning to repair itself. And we don't want energy to have to go to digestion. Then it takes energy away from doing the repair, not only to your physical body, but also to your mental, your subtle body. So maybe you're looking for some food ideas, but those are the best places to start. Regulate, mind the Agni, and the Agni means digestive fire, and then eat your last meal three hours before bed. Okay.
2: Um, Link to that. And I saw that, you know, in your, in your book, you have a test to
0: know about um, our dosha. So what is the dosha? Yeah. So I mentioned that there's five elements in nature. mm mm-hmm. In Chinese medicine and some forms of medicine talk about four elements. They talk about air, fire, water, earth. And we have a fifth, which is space. So everything is happening in space, space around us, space in my room. And we have some space in our body, hopefully. And we feel good when we feel spacious and not too crowded. So space and air, if you think about the elements, how does space make you feel? How does air, air is wind, the movement within space how does it make you feel when you come to understand the qualities of the elements then you can better understand yourself because we have all five elements within us and they combine to form three doshas bioenergies that govern all of our biology and biological dynamics so space and air form vata dosha. They combine to form vata dosha. We call it vata dosha. And vata is mainly the air element with some space. Then, excuse me, And then fire with a little bit of water combines to make what we call pitta dosha. And then water with some earth combined to make kapha dosha. So if you think about, well, fire is going to be hot, right? Now air and water can be more cooling right so right away you know that one dosha has more heat the other one can be more cooling air and space are light and subtle they're not so grounded so depending on which of these elements are predominant in you Mm -hmm. now remember you're going to have all five elements and you have all three doshas the vata dosha governs everything that moves in our bodies including our mind and our capacity to think including our circulatory system right and including the flow of digestion through the digestive tract so it's said to be the governor mm-hmm. and pitadosha governs digestion and transformation as well as light clarity, the capacity to see and temperature regulation. And then Kapha dosha governs the water, right? So lubrication and the earth combining to make structure. So Kapha dosha gives structure lubrication as well as immunity and a sort of patience and contentment, you might say. So if you have a little bit more air element, then we would call you more of a vata person. You still have the other things. Otherwise, you wouldn't be digesting. You wouldn't have the structure of a body. But you have a little more of a tendency, let's say, to be more vata, meaning you may be very mobile. You may be very curious. You may be talkative. You may have a quick mind, quick-witted, right? You're quick in your movements. And these are the people who do not want to be pinned down to the regulated time schedule because they love to be free and to move. They're very inventive, uh, innovative, creative, sometimes very spiritual. So there's very many positive qualities of it, but out of balance, then vata dosha would give restlessness and inability to quiet down, to fall asleep. It can give insomnia, energy is not moving evenly through the body. So it can give cold hands, cold feet. It can give pain in the joints, cracking joints, dryness, constipation, dry skin, dry eyes, and even headaches and certain things like that. In long term, it can build up to create some serious depletion. So, as an example, to continue with that example, when you know that you are more, let's say, a vata dosha, and it runs cold, dry, rough, mobile, then we want to eat accordingly. So, we want to try to remember to eat foods that will be grounding, warming, and unctuous to balance out the dryness. So, with a, a Vata dosha person, very important to eat at regular times of the day, very important to add some healthy fats to their meal, and it's very important to spice gently because too strong a spice will overwhelm the digestive fire for them, but gentle spices are things like cardamom or ginger, gentle spicing to keep their digestive fire from blowing out in the wind. (laughs) Does that help? That's kind of just a bit of an example, but five three doshas.
2: Yeah, and I—I th- I mean, I thought you were describing me <laughs> because
0: <laughs> and I don't even know you. So there. Yes, but I was like, like, "Oh, so this is me. <laughs> this is me." <laughs> yeah, that's why it's so powerful. And I bet a lot of people who listen have similar qualities, and that's why they're attracted to you, because like attracts like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we tend to go in the direction. Like a vata person likes to eat popcorn because it's light. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> the best thing is a roasted sweet potato with coconut oil and cinnamon or something, you know?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, absolutely. And if some people um wonder, okay, what is my dosha? So as I as I say, there is a test in your cookbook that people mm-hmm. can do. And also what I really like at the at the end. So first you have a uh, dual doshas because people can be dual, which is not yes. something that I see often, but you have this here. And also um what you do, you go through um, each um, dosha, and then you give some advice about, like you know, we were talking about um, harmony, balance before. How, um, what should we eat? You know, what kind of food? You know, um, if I'm a pita person, like even my my rhythm, um, and 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 so there is like a list of um, of foods you, yeah. you recommend. So. Another thing I, I like about your cookbook, it's going to be a lot of things <laughs> about your cookbook, <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's very practical. I love it. It's very uh, easy to understand. You have the, the answers. You are guided. Um, you follow the step, steps. So this is like um, another, um, I mean, for me, something uh, that beginners can access you know, um, very easily and always beautiful.
0: Yeah, but I always the The photographer is a beautiful photographer. She's French, actually, a French woman. Ah, Okay, yeah, so beautiful. Yeah,
2: yeah, so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, very elegant.
0: Well, one of the things too is that we, you know, everything in nature has energy, right? It's all made up of energy. So these these doshas, vata, pitta, and kapha, are bioenergies, right? They're ways of understanding the energies as they move through living beings. But because everything has energy and everything then has a dosha, including time. So times of days has doshas. Seasons have doshas. So when we understand Ayurveda, we can learn how to live in rhythm with those seasons to eat accordingly, which primarily is about eating what nature is giving us that season. So springtime, nature gives us very pungent leafy greens. So they're heating and they're also cleansing. Which is what we need after winter where we've come to feel kind of heavy and stagnant spring brings us the food to cleanse and lighten us up okay? summer is heating so what is some summer food it's cooling cooling and soothing foods so now even if we're looking still at greens the difference between spring greens and summer greens is spring greens are hardy lots of fiber very often very pungent mustard greens and dandelion greens and arugulas etc But summertime, we have more like butter, gem, gem lettuce, you know, softer, soothing greens, but more hydrating, more water element to the greens. And then cucumbers and squash and things that are very, watermelon, things that are very hydrating, right? So nature is generally giving us the foods that are the right balance for what she's doing in terms of her weather. So we want to eat accordingly to the season, but then adjust it to your own particular dosha, Mm -hmm. So I think Ayurveda teaches us really pay attention, okay? Mm. Tune into your own inner wisdom and then go accordingly. So Mm. trust yourself. I always think Ayurveda is teaching you to trust yourself. Mm. Trust your inner knowing. Super.
2: Yeah, that's a very good advice. Um, Now I would like to talk more about, you know, what's um, going on um, in, um, you know, with you. And then, you know, I know that you have a a program coming out. You have a a course coming out. Um, So um, it's being launched in April and it's called The Moon and Our Stars. Can you Mm -hmm. tell me a little bit more about uh, this course that you offer?
0: Right. Well, you know, I mentioned that night and day is caused by the earth spinning on its axis and the seasons are caused by the earth spinning around the sun so it's really the cosmos that's causing nature and its rhythms here on earth you know we live in a larger taking a bigger picture we live in a larger world where all of these these planets are also energy and these stars are are energies that have an impact upon us in fact the moon according to the ancient people is said to represent food and nourishment because you know, farmers used to plant. I don't know if they still do. Their seeds would be planted when the moon was new, right? And you'd harvest when the moon was full. So there's still this idea in, in Jyotish, which applies to Ayurveda, that the moon relates to our own nourishment. How well are we nourished? So Jyotish is the system that's sometimes translated to mean Vedic astrology. Jyotish actually means, it actually as a word means a science of light. So we're looking at the light and the matrix of light energy intelligence that the cosmos creates and bounces into this field, creating nature, but also creating our own nature, you might say. So I've been, I love the exploration of Jyotish. I love how it works with Ayurveda and I love how it helps us really understand our own unique self. And then Ayurveda can help us with the balance and the wellness. So having taught these two sciences now for for at least a decade or two if not more um people have often asked me to know more about the moon the moon each night is in a different place in the sky as she goes around the sun and comes back to the sun so the lunar cycle is 28 28 and a half days there's 27 stars and then the sun and those stars are called nakshatras and each Each moon, each step the moon takes around, you know, her cycle. She's said to be spending time in one of these stars, one of these mansions. So she goes to spend a day in a mansion, then the next day in a different one of her mansions. These mansions are just stars in the sky. But they're said to give the moon a flavor, a feeling. And once you start to pay attention to them, you can really feel them. For instance, as we're speaking, the moon is in Taurus, where she's said to be exalted. Exalted and you can feel there's a sweetness to last night and this day there's some kind of balancing sweetness even though saturn and mars are at loggerheads right now Mm -hmm. there is something balancing that planetary warlike energy so it's really cool to know about the moon the moon relates to our minds as well our thinking our feeling our willing and our reacting so you know all of yoga which is the ultimate vedic science the science of self-realization which is a sister science, of course, to Ayurveda and Jyotish, yoga is really about how do we work with our minds? How do we grow the human mind into the cosmic mind so that we can see reality for what it truly is, so that we can have a higher and greater sense of all life and its integration and oneness, right? And the moon represents the mind. So it's really an understanding of how is the moon affecting us and how can we harness these positive energies, these star energy, in order to grow our minds, to grow our hearts, so that we can feel ourselves in right alignment with nature itself, with life itself, and really live our best life and our best, our best self. Wonderful. You know, I will ultimately think, yeah, when we find our best life, our sacred, sumptuous integration, then we're here to serve and we love, we feel the joy of service. So it's really also about right alignment to be in service
1: mm-hmm. to the one,
0: to the divine to the light, to the stars. <laughs> <laughs> and so with this course, it's really
2: for people to learn how to live with cycles. And in this case, to the cycle of the moon, which is wonderful because I think it's really linked to also Ayurveda, as you were saying, like living in more like harmony with nature. Um, um, okay. And may I ask um, how many weeks um, of, um you know, this um, course is like running for?
0: It's going to go for 10 weeks. It's a long one, but we're just going to have two classes a month. So it's just two classes a month for two Mm -hmm. hours each time. And each time we meet, we're going to be working on one nakshatra, one or maybe two, so that we're we're going to be doing the class right before the new moon and right before the full moon, talking about which star the new moon will be with and which star the full moon will be with, so that you can have your own direct experience of it. Because I like to teach... The intellectual stuff and i like to teach the story of it but i also want to really teach people how to have their own direct experience because ultimately this is what it's about how does it feel to you Mm -hmm. what is the wisdom that comes to you and through you how can you have a juicy succulent sumptuous life yourself by understanding these energies Mm -hmm. and harnessing these energies to really ride the waves with beauty and grace Mm
2: -hmm. I, I, I absolutely love it and I think you know what you were seeing I think I, I, I feel that we even have a flavor of that because you were seeing like the moon is in Taurus and we are talking about food of course and we are yeah. talking about nature which oh, is like very related goes. to Taurus so like, like so, yes exactly so nice
0: Um Perfect. wonderful <laughs> no that's a really beautiful observation stephanie and that's what i'm talking about once we understand these things we're attuned to it and then we see how magic happens like, this mm-hmm. is magic that this happened on this day it's exactly perfect. exactly yeah. and then and then for people to take
2: in your, your class will be to being more aware of that you know yes. what i mean and you know like really like sink um yeah. you know with nature and then you know have maybe
0: you know more abundance coming or you know new things. yes <laughs> and also you know on the other side of it well, if I'm not feeling well, you know, I know sometimes I can look at what's going on in the sky and think, okay, that's just energy channeling through. So I'm going to breathe into it, maybe rest, increase my self-care today, whatever, get out into nature. Right. So it can help us both ways. When we're Absolutely. having a hard time, it can help us see a little bit more objectively what's going on. Yeah. And and then know what to do with it, to have those tools. And I,
2: I'm I'm so glad you're mentioning, mentioning that because you are totally right. Um, it's, I mean, it's, Nice to look at, you know, like the bright side. But there are times when, when you know, we don't feel well, and it's okay to say, "Well, I don't feel well today." But then you have some answers coming, you know, and say, "Like, okay, how?" And then is it something that that comes often? Okay, where is the moon? You know, maybe there is like a, something behind to discover. Wonderful. Yes. Thank you so much for mm-hmm. adding that. You're right. Um, so now, uh, before we end uh, this uh, conversation, I'm gonna um, ask a question, and I ask this question to or my guest, I'd
0: like to know about your daily practice. Um, So I've been a yoga practitioner for a long time and I used to teach yoga, yoga trainings and yoga therapy. So I do like to wake up in the morning to yoga, but I would say that I feel the simplest thing is the most important. I wake up first thing in the morning and I even before I open my eyes, I feel my breath. I just take a deep breath. And just feel, you know, I love to just feel that aliveness, right? To feel, oh, I'm coming into this day and the day is coming into me. Then I observe the light, right? Where is the light? How is it today? Is it gray? Is it sunny? Just to sort of, you know, let myself be aware of the day. Then I like to listen. So I use my five senses, really, is my is how I greet the day. I like to listen to the bird song. I'm not even out of bed yet. I haven't even sat up yet. It's just tune in to listen to the song of the birds i think that's very important because they're greeting the day i like to hear them singing and greeting the day and remember you know again our place in nature of course i do meditation once i'm up and i have a strong mantra practice and Mm -hmm. um, i I do some chanting of the Hanuman chalisa every morning which takes some time and then you know i do yoga and some stretching and some exercise Throughout the day, I'm always trying to get into nature or looking out into the sky or nature, watching the birds, just paying attention to nature is part of my daily all through the day practice. Mm -hmm. Making a meal, smelling, touching, listening, using all five senses to be aware of what's happening in my environment, with me and my body, and also in nature around. And then finally at night, because I have such a fascination with the sky, I like to always go out at night. I have a dog. She gets me out anyway, so I have to take her out at night. But we go out, and we look at the sky. And we look at where are the stars, and where are the planets, and where is the moon. And so silly sometimes. I was the other day saying, hello, moon. Hello, mother moon. I was so excited to see her. She was brand new, and she was so pretty, just upside down facing. And so I was going, hello, mother moon. And then this guy walks by, and he looks at me like, you crazy. Uh-huh. but i didn't feel crazy i felt just delighted by the beauty of it all so that's an important part of my practice is to, Mm to really be awake to the wonder and the beauty of this world we live in
2: wonderful That sounds like, just like, um, the way you describe it is, it's so beautiful. (laughs) Um, so yes, I think I can, I can take some inspiration from that (laughs) or sometimes Mm -hmm. like get up when I'm, you know, (laughs) I'm already here. Yes. Um, well, Laura, I think I could talk all day long with you. (laughs)
0: Yes. (laughs) Because like,
2: there's such, like so much like knowledge and, you know, um, and you know, like, um the way you um, express yourself with really calm and, you know, it feels really good. So um, thank you so much for your time. <laughs> I hope I didn't put everyone to sleep. <laughs> no, 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 no. You know, like it's, it's such like a nice evening, <laughs> I think, you know, and I think, you know, me me being very like energized is like it's really calming down and i really like it appreciate it especially because yeah. i'm starting my day with you so
0: uh, that it's a nice right. way start. <laughs> <laughs> so. well i do wish we had more time stephanie i'd love to hear more about you but i will follow you and your podcast and your website you're doing great work thank you for what you're doing <laughs> World thank, thank you so much I'm, I'm the one to thank you <laughs> thank you yeah thank you blessings
2: you can learn more about Laura and our blog classes and book on Facebook at Vedawise on Instagram at Laura Plum and on Twitter at food, a love story. I also invite you to visit www.lauraplum.com where you can find out more about your dosha. All the links are listed below in the description section on YouTube. Thank you to all our listeners and see you very soon for more on healing, self-love, and your personal journey.
1: Thank you for listening and for taking time for yourself. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to our podcast, share this episode with others on social media or leave a rating and a review. To catch the latest from Ujviti follow us on Instagram, Facebook or Twitter at Ujvati. Thanks again and see you on the next episode.